You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Well, happy day after Christmas. Right, is, is, uh, this is just a perfect song for us today, uh, and I hadn't, I hadn't actually heard this song until Paul said that's what we're singing. Uh, so, uh, but, but right, it's, it's Christmas. You know, we, we, many of us greeted each other with Merry Christmas today, but there's often that, well, what's next? Or, yeah, it's Christmas, but Christmas is over. Right, we've spent this last month leading up to Christmas. We've been listening to Christmas songs on the radio. We've been in the season of Advent preparing for Christmas. We've been decorating, going to parties, buying presents. And, and while I know that some of you might have those Christmas celebrations in, in the coming weeks, for the most part, if you look around, it feels like Christmas is over. We didn't even get a white Christmas this year. There's not, there's not even uh, remnants of snow to, to remind us of Christmas. Right? As you go shopping today, if you go shopping today, uh, don't go to the return section because that'll be a mess. But, but if you go shopping today, I'm sure that all of those Christmas candies, uh, all of those Christmas decorations are going to be 50% off. Those outdoor decorations, right? This, today's the last, probably going to be the last nice weekend for a while. So maybe you're maybe you're getting your Christmas decorations down today. And then we look forward to the New Year's parties or the Super Bowl or whatever it is. Because yesterday was Christmas and it's it's time to move on. Well, actually in the church calendar, Christmas just started. Right? We're we're still in the Christmas season. It's why the the pyramids on the front of the altar are still white and they will be white until Epiphany which is January 6th. So the Christmas season runs from January or December 25th to January 5th. How many days is that? Can you do quick math? 12. It's almost like there's a song about it. Right? The 12 days of Christmas. That's where that comes from. There's 12 days in the season of Christmas. It's not just one day. But Epiphany is that the next season in the calendar, in the church calendar, and that's where the church celebrates the, the magi, the, the wise men visiting Jesus. Uh, so if you still have your nativity up, whether inside or outside, and you have the magi, the wise men in the nativity with your shepherds, get them out. They're not there yet. You gotta, you gotta take them and you gotta move them to the east of your nativity scene. And then every day for the next 11 days, 12 days, you move them a little bit closer, and on January 6th, they can finally make it into your nativity scene. And, and speaking of the, the wise men in the East, which we're not at all speaking about today, but, but speaking of that, if you haven't taken the time to look at the, the silhouettes uh, on the sides of the church, I'd encourage you to do that today. Uh, one of our teachers, uh, Mrs. Roberts, just kind of threw those together in the last week. I don't know how she does this, uh, but they're absolutely incredible. And I really appreciate that she put the wise men on the east side of the sanctuary. 
But again, that's, that's just an aside. We're not talking about wise men today. Uh, but if you were with us on Christmas Eve, again, we read that, that, that story of Luke. Yeah, Luke's account from, from uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, the, the birth account, uh, the birth of Jesus according to Luke. Uh, but again, just like there's more than one day of Christmas, there's more to Christmas than just the birth of Jesus. And so today, we're going to continue with Luke's account, looking at what happened after the birth of Jesus. Uh, in Luke 2, verse 21, Luke tells us about the, the naming and the circumcision of Jesus, which was on the eighth day after his birth. And then Luke tells us about the presentation of Jesus in the temple, which would have been on the, the 40th day after his birth. And, and, and these are things that happened according to the law. And so as Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus into the temple, these two individuals, they come up to to them, and they basically declare Jesus to be the long-awaited Messiah. And as they do that, there's this beautiful speech by one of the individuals. It's called the, the we call it now the, the Song of Simeon or the, the Nunc Dimittis. Uh, and that title, Nunc Dimittis, it, it comes from the Latin translation, and those are the first two words in the Latin translation, Nunc Dimittis, um, Lord, now let your um, servant depart. Uh, but, but, but in this song, Simeon recognizes that the Lord is in his temple. Right? The infant Lord brings light and salvation to all people in particular, and in particular is the glory of Israel. Uh, listen, listen to that Nunc Dimittis again. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And so as we hear those words, it's, it's really easy for us as, as 21st century Christians to read that and go, oh, okay, that's nice. Um, that must mean that communion's over and it's time to go home in peace and joy, right? Because that's in, in the traditional services, that's when we sing the Nunc Dimittis in divine service for after communion. The other time that we might hear this song uh, or speak these words as during a funeral, at the end of a funeral, or, or at a graveside committal. And so we have this context for this new Demetrius, for this song of, this song of Simeon, uh, that, that when we hear it, we think of it in different places. But today I want to I take a closer look at, and see what Simeon was thinking, or how the, a first century Jewish Christian might have heard these words. Because it's incredibly important that, that Jesus comes into the temple. Not, not so much because that's what Mary and Joseph were supposed to do as, as Jewish parents, even though that is very important that they kept the law. But for Jewish Christians and people who are familiar with the Old Testament, they would have been very familiar with this idea of, of the movement of God's presence. Right? That, that God's presence would move around. In Exodus, we see God's people lead, we see God leading his people uh, out of Egypt with a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then later in Exodus, God's glory, which is often synonymous with his presence, it comes to dwell over the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle to guide Israel in her travels, but also to, to stay in one place when they're supposed to stay in that place as they're wandering throughout the wilderness. And then eventually the Israelites get in to the promised land and, and many years later they build a temple. 
And then after that temple's built, the the priests, they process in with the Ark of the Covenant into this newly built temple, and and God takes up residence there. And you can read about that story in in 1 Kings 8. And the temple is, is where God's presence, where his glory then remained, at least for a while. But shortly before that, that first temple was destroyed, but when the Israelites were taken to Babylon uh, in captivity, shortly before that, the prophet Ezekiel sees God's glory leaving the temple in a vision. And you can find that story in Ezekiel chapter 10, and it's this really interesting vision of, of these cherubim flying around and these floating wheels in the air and burning coals and, and weird creatures. Uh, and so it's, it's an interesting story to, to read, but, but in that story we see this vision of God's presence leaving the temple, and then it's, later it's destroyed. But then eventually, God's people are allowed to come back to the promised land and come back to Jerusalem, and, and they rebuild the temple. But, but after they rebuilt the temple, it said that the, the glory of that, that first temple is not in the second temple. But God promises one day to fill that temple with an even greater glory. God promises uh, to, to fill this new temple in a presence in a way that's very different than the way that he filled it before. And you can read about that story in Haggai chapter 2. But as God prepares his people for that moment when the glory of the Lord would return to the temple, uh, he, he gives us multiple places to remind them of that. And Psalm 24 is one of those places where we, where we read, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. And then Malachi 3 also prepares us for this moment when, when the Lord would return to his temple. He says, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Right, this is that moment that's been prophesied about. This is the moment that has been sung about the, the, when the glory of the Lord, when the presence of the Lord would come into the temple in a greater way than it ever had been. And so all of this leads up to this moment when Jesus is brought into the temple by his parents. And that's why we see these two individuals. That's why we see Simeon and Anna. They're waiting in the temple because they know that's where the Lord will come. And so here we see the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord now resides in this tiny baby boy. And that glory, that presence will continue to reside in Jesus until he dies on a cross for you. Because because what happens that moment that Jesus takes his last breath? The the temple curtain is torn in two. When, When Jesus takes your punishment on himself, when he dies a death that's meant for you, something special happens. You see, in the Old Testament, all these laws about purification and rituals and sacrifices and things like that were because people would become unclean, and then because God is so holy, they physically could not be in his presence. So so when people did unclean things or when they touched unclean things, they became unclean. That's why why Moses was told to take off his shoes uh, when he was near the burning bush because he was in a holy place and uh, he needed to remove his shoes. That's why priests will go through these certain purification rituals before going into the temple or into the Holy of Holies. It's to become clean for a time. 
But in the Old Testament, they, they needed to be made clean over and over again. And so that's why God would limit his presence. His presence would only be in certain places uh, because it, it couldn't be everywhere because the people were unclean. But when Jesus comes onto the scene, as he, as he touches people who are unclean, Jesus doesn't be un, become unclean like we would imagine, like what would have happened in the Old Testament. But instead, when Jesus touches people who are unclean, they become clean. Right? The lepers are healed. The blind see the, the deaf hear and the dead live. And so when Jesus dies, the temple curtain is now torn in two, representing that the glory of the Lord is no longer contained in one place. But the presence of God is everywhere. Because when Jesus died on the cross for you, he made you clean. And because you've seen the salvation of God, you too can sing that song of Simeon. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light to reveal you to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. God's presence is here in this place, but it's no longer contained in this place. It goes with you. On Christmas Eve, we closed all of our services by singing Silent Night by candlelight. And that light that, that lit all of our candles came from, from the Christ candle in the center of the Advent wreath. And then as we, as we extinguished those candles at the end of the service, though, we were reminded that even as those candles go out, even as the Christ candle gets extinguished, and, and it did that night and it will be extinguished again at the end of the service, even as those lights go out, the, the light of Jesus never goes out. It now shines in you and through you. So when you go out into your communities, when, when you're in your families, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at the grocery store, the glory of the Lord goes with you. And so this week, as, as you go, as the, the season of Christmas continues, may God's glory go with you with his presence leading you and guiding you and shining as a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Because then even, even when the season of Christmas ends, the joy of Christmas never ends. So may you go with God's glory and his presence guiding you this week. Amen.